theyeshiva.net. Okay, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Somebody here since 5.30, so... Uh, <laughs> from Tzayda Agri, I hope. I want to welcome especially a whole uh, group from Boca Raton, Florida, who are gracing us with their presence this morning. Bruchem Aboyim. Welcome. Okay, we have been learning for the last few days the Baimer Vayikach Haman from the Balatanya. If you have the Sefer, the Red Sefer, Torah, Megillus Esther, page 238, actually 239, Kuf Chof, column 1. On top it says, Megillus Esther, Hesophis Lutorah. This is a uh, discourse, a Maimer of the Balatanya, which he said on Purim, Tovkov Samachvav, 1806. And that's, that's published in here in the Sefer Torah, Megillus Esther. And uh, it focuses on a few psukim of the Megillah. Pretty surprising which psukim he chooses, which is basically Haman taking the garments of Achashverish and the horse and dressing up Mordechai and leading him over the streets of Shusha. That's ba- the basic uh, backdrop, the psukim of the Megillah that this Maimah focuses on. Now, we're, uh, we're by Siv Dalit, Pedig Dalit. So even those who weren't here in the beginning, it should be clear, because the idea is, we'll explain in a way that everybody should at least be able to t- get something out of it. He focused, before getting into the idea of the Megillah with Haman and everything, which is going to be only later, he focused on the Gemara in Saita. The Gemara says that Talmud Chacham, Tzarech liyaz b'yishminis shebishminis, gasas haruach. That a, a real Talmud Chacham, a Torah, a student of Torah, needs to have a little bit of haughtiness, a little bit of uh, ego, pride, gasas haruach. Gemara says a shminis shabishminis, which means an eighth of an eighth, which, as he said, is basically a sixty-fourth part. So it's a fraction of it. What's the explanation of this? On the contrary, Talmud Chacham, as he says, represents a Talmud of Chachma. Talmud Chacham means a student of Chacham. You don't call him a Chacham; you call him a Talmud Chacham. He is a student of Chachma. Chachma always represents humility, bittel. What's the meaning of this Maimah Chazal? So the Gemara gives a metaphor. And whenever the Gemara gives a metaphor, it's because without the metaphor, it's not clear. The only reason you need a marshal, an illustration is, in order to clarify the idea. Surprisingly, the Gemara gives here the metaphor. What's the metaphor? Umaat, this is Saitad Afhei. That the, the haughtiness has to decorate him like the beard of a stalk decorates the kernels of the stalk. The stalk of wheat, the kernel, is, is protected by what's called the beard of the stalk or the husk. The hu- it looks like a beard, so they call it a beard. Kisasa means a beard. Rashi says, Skan Hashimbailas. Looks like Moshta beard. So the Talmud Chachem is protected with this pride, like a, like the husk that protects the kernel inside. Yeah. 
This was what the Gemara says. What's the explanation of this, uh, of this interesting parable and illustration? So he went into a whole long discussion. And the summation was that there are two stages in Avaidus Hashem. The first stage of Avaidus Hashem, he says a person can't begin really serving God in a genuine and, and meaningful way, as he puts it, without experiencing some form of deep self-awareness and deep self-appreciation and deep self-value. Or in the language that he uses, it can't happen without that he, he sees himself not only as something, but as something extremely valuable. If a person sees himself or herself as internally insignificant, as internally val- as internally valueless, even if they project a lot of importance, but we're talking about inside, then the basis of Avaidus Hashem becomes corroded. It can't exist. It won't. It won't take root. On the contrary, a person has to appreciate their potential, their value, their importance, the profound meaning in their life, the fact that there's real existence here. And then this existence, you want to make something of it. You want to maximize it. You want it to operate on the maximum level. By crushing a person, by obliterating them, by turning them into a shmat in their own feeling, their own perception, you don't turn them into a servant of God. You turn them into a lifeless robot, which sometimes happens. But that's not the path to avoida. That's the path to just person becomes numb, becomes dead. There's no real person here. The beginning of Bittl begins with the fact, the beginning of Bittl, which means the beginning of, of nullification, of alignment, of a relationship, begins with the fact that there's there's something here. There's something here to be in a relationship. I told you the metaphor, which I think is a pretty good metaphor to explain what he's saying, that uh, a, a groom wants to propose to his potential bride the night before engagement. And he says to her, by the way, there's something very special about this, and that is, I really, I'm nothing. I'm just a, a shmata. I have uh, nothing to offer. I'm valueless, I'm insignificant, but I'm a wonderful doormat. So uh, it seems like the best arrangement in the world. No ego problems, no selfishness, no narcissism, no moods, no, f- no contrasts. There's no, uh, there won't be any disparity here. You'll basically, uh, I'm, a, I'm a great, great schmata, whatever you want. There's abs- I don't even have, fe- I don't have personality or feelings. Yeah. There's something off here, right? A regular, normal woman, unless she has her own serious issues, there's something off. What's off? There's no relationship. Who are you? There's no relationship. There has to be some form of self in order for the self to connect with somebody else. And this is vital. This is this is critical. Something interesting. Every idea in Chassidus you also have in Nigla and Halacha. 
There's a halachim, a sechta psachim. It's a very important yesoid in psachim. That bittel chametz can only happen erev Pesach before midday. B'dikas chametz, searching, destroying the chametz. You could do all day erev Pesach. You can even do it in the middle of Pesach. Bittel chametz, which means nullifying the chametz. We say that the chametz should be hefke, ka'afra, da'ara, like dust. So the Gemara says in Psachim Davav that there's a deadline for it. The deadline is until the beginning of the seventh hour, Erev Pesach, Medirabon, the beginning of the sixth hour, which means approximately till 12 and Medirabon until 11. Why can't you be Mavatul Chametz afterwards? What's the problem? What's the problem? Why can't a person say Erev Pesach in the afternoon that it's, uh, it's not my Chametz? It's Hefker, it's Ka'afra Da'ara, and so forth. So there's a lot of different explanations for it in the Rishonim. There's a Svasemes. Svasemes says in Psachim that the reason is, the Gemara says that Shnei Dvarim Einam Birishusa Shaladam Vasan Akasav Kiluhu Birishusa. There are two things that a person doesn't really own. It's just the Torah says that you own them just for liability. A bar Birishusa Rabbim. If you dig a pit in Birishusa Rabbim, you don't own it but you're liable for it. The hazards that happen as a result, you take responsibility for it, even though you don't own it. And the second thing is chametz on Pesach. Chametz on Pesach you don't own. You can't eat it, and you can't sell it, and you can't feed it to your dogs, and you can't feed it to other animals, and you can't give it as a gift. So you basically have no monetary rights in it, not for yourself and not for others. You can't benefit from it in any way. So in terms of bylaws, in terms of ownership, there's nothing in it for you. When I own something, I own a jacket, I can wear it, I can sell it, I can put it on eBay, I can give it as a gift. Chametz has no relationship with me. Rabbi Shalom takes it out of my rishus. So really, if I have chametz in my house, it's not mine. The only thing that makes it mine is yeah, that I'm liable for it. That's it. That's what makes it mine. That's it. Because it's not mine. So the Svasemis has a mighty dekevart. That because bittel chametz means there's something to be mavatel. Erev Pesach after chatzos, there's already nothing to be mavatel. The Torah considers it already offer. So mele bittel can't happen. It's like beating a, a, a dead horse. As they, what do they call beating a dead horse? It's already dead. So there's, you could be mavatel something that exists, something that doesn't exist. You can't be mavatel. The Chametz, Erev Pesach, after Chatzos, from a Torah perspective, it's considered offer for a Jew. It's considered dust. So how could you make dust, dust? So the bitl is insignificant. The same is true in Avaidas Hashem. As a result, the beginning of all Avaidas Hashem happens with a certain sense and experience of self-value. I matter. I'm indispensable. There's somebody serious here. If you don't take yourself, your life, you don't see the dignity of it, the value of it, the seriousness of it, then Avaidus Hashem can't begin. There's higher states of Avaidus Hashem, much higher, much deeper. But this is step one. This is the deeper idea of Shminis Shebeshminis. When we speak about Gasos, we're not talking about a sense of arrogance in the simple sense of the word that a Talmud Chachem has to be and he has to have a big ego. On the contrary, what we're talking here about is that the beginning of serving God comes with a certain sense of I matter, I really matter. And because I really matter, I want to 
live my life in the best and most powerful way possible. I don't want to, I don't want to deprive that self from the good life. I want to suck the marrow out of life. I want to actualize it in its most profound and powerful way. Okay, so now let's see Siv Dalet. This is the beginning of Avoid. Once a person reaches what we spoke about Avram Avin, what is Matsasas Lavavinemon Lefanecha? That at a later stage, Avoidus Hashem becomes so organic because. In truth, when a person experiences the ultimate truth, there's no separateness. There's no I that's separate from Hashem. It's completely one. So when a person can touch that space, then one does not need this, what's called arousal from below, that he explained earlier, creates an arousal above. So just like a person throws away dirt, Hashem also does that. Avram, who had Yishmol even in the beginning, before he had a bris, before he became Avram, because Avram in the beginning of his Avoida was in that complete state of oneness. And then, in the state where Hashem is completely, completely infinite. The Shefa, the flow, can go to all types of places, even to somebody who is not worthy, like Yishmael. Because he is so infinitely beyond that darkness is like light. They don't occupy space, as we gave the metaphor of the spider in the, in the king's palace, as the Pasuk says in Mishli. So, even with Chilas Avodasa, he was Neman. He was still full, considered as as full. Yeah, and and uh, and he didn't go through the stage of Gasos. He didn't go through the stage of Shminis Shminis. This first stage, which what which arouses above a similar type of Gasos, which would reject the concept of Yishmol. Avraham Avinu embraces Yishmol even in the beginning. Aval Talmud Chachem, the ordinary Talmud Chachem, Tzarechli is betchilas avedosim b'chinas gasos. In the beginning of the way, there has to be some sense of of pride, of of, of ambition, of of self awareness. Of this is what we call gasos, which means thickness, haughtiness. Gam also b'meshem is boinin b'hasagas alakus b'chinas mamali of a seiviv u'machmazem is pol va'avav yira gam zen nechshu b'chinas yeshvedov. It's not just Mitzah himself. It's also the nature of what he contemplates. In the beginning of Avedis Hashem, we, we says in the beginning, by the way, it's pretty advanced. He's just talking relative to, uh, relative to the deeper states. It's pretty advanced. I'm just saying when it says beginner's level, beginner's here is uh, quite profound. What is this, this bainanus? What taka motivates the self? I say, I want to be connected to Hashem. I want to be an Oivet Hashem. Why? What do you think about? He says, there has to be some Hasagas Alakus, some awareness of godliness. Hebchines Mamale. Mamale represents the fact that the divine fills everything. In other words, that the true content of everything in the world is godliness. Soiviv. 
Soiviv is that godliness also transcends infinitely the universe. So this can affect a person with love, with awe, with reverence. This is boyness, this meditation, this mind, mindful experience is also considered a yesh vedavar, meaning on some form of ego, some form of existence. Why? There's somebody who comprehends. And he experiences his comprehension as, as something substantial. If not, it's worthless. When I'm trying to wrap my brain around something, first of all, there's I who's trying to understand, and there's what I understand, and they're both valuable. If not, the whole process of thinking, of meditation, of understanding is worthless. But what's the truth? There's an expression in Zoyar, no thought can grasp him. No thought. In other words, the, the biggest contradiction to God is thinking about it. Because thinking is processing, it's formulating, it's not a mathematical equation. No thought, even the most sublime, transcendent, abstract, sheer and thought in the world could grasp the the core of Elikos. And beyond the Shtalshlus, which is the evolution of all of the worlds. So just as we spoke, that in stage two of Avaida, it's not anymore about I want to live my life to the fullest and I want to connect to you. But as we said, there is the sense of this complete oneness. And the eye is not separate. And it's just one organic whole. The same is also in the Hizbainanus. This type of Hizbainanus, this type of meditation, ultimately, in the ultimate Maila of Avaida, when a person could connect to the essence, becomes tuffle, it becomes subservient. It's like the chaff and the straw relative to the kernel. Even though the chaff and the kernel protect, protect, the chaff and the husk protect the kernel. But ultimately it's subservient to it. All the flavors, the timim and reasons, flavors, that a person had in his comprehension and his contemplation, all the days of his avayda that generated love and awe, at some point, it becomes like the straw, like the husk. Because when one touches the truth of the essence of Ein Soiv, all the reasons, all the flavors of God, Hashem as the flavors of Hashem, in other words, that's which a person can taste, a flavor you can taste. That's why Tam is a reason and a flavor, because a reason you can taste, there's a flavor to reason, right? There's a Tam, you say, let me let me give you a Tam in it. A Tam, you say, the Tam of a mitzvah, right? It's the flavor of it, the reason for it. In other words, the way you experience it, the way you enjoy it, that's all powerful stuff in the beginning. In the beginning, where it's about me experiencing it, me enjoying it, then it's very, very important. It's very, very powerful. When one touches the emes of Atzmus Ein Saif, which is completely beyond timing, completely beyond definitions, he says, "Ki ba'agil lebchines Atzmus Ein Saif kol atayimim shubchines v'malei v'soivim keloy chashivim mamish legabi Atzmus." It loses itself in the essence. Kamei shakasuv, as the pasuk puts it, "Mili ba'shemayim v'imchalei chafatzti ba'aretz chuli v'dayla meiv." 
Who do I have in heaven and with you I desire nothing in earth? In Tehillim, capital Ayin Gimel. In other words, even heaven and earth, ultimately, they become tafel, legabe the essence. So the Hisbainanus, the meditation that fuels the genesis of Avoida, becomes like straw in the continuation when one touches the essence where it's revealed that everything is one that Einoid Mulvada. Now, here we come back to the metaphor and see where this is going. Now we can at last understand the depth of the metaphor of the sages about the chaff around the wheat. And here we have to remember the context of what we began when we began the Maim. The Gemara says, in Saita Dafhei, that the Talmud Chacham needs to have that sense of pride that decorates him like the beard to the stalk. Like the husk to the kernel. Like the, the, the stiff bristle around the kernels of wheat. They surround it and decorate it. That's the type of pride he has to have. The Baltanian said, what's the illustration? What's the metaphor? So now we'll, he's going to come back and find, bring it to its summation. So this is basically a stalk of wheat that he's going to that he described before, and he's going to describe again. This is a stalk of wheat, right? The bottom part, the stem, is hollow. There's nothing in it. This is what we call tevin, straw. Ultimately, it's used as animal fodder or as fuel or for bricks. They would use. Uh, they still use straw for bricks, like we have in the story of Mitzrayim. Pari made them collect the straw on their own, right? Maskainus halavenim. So that's the the stem, the higher part of the stalk. So this, you see, why it's called a beard. Rashi and Saita calls it shiboilus hazak and skanat shiboilus, the beard, the beard of the stalk. I mean, you see, it's a sheina hadras panem. It's a it's a nice beard. What's inside of this? Inside of this are the kernels of wheat. The kernels of wheat, which is the tachlis, the edible part, that could ultimately be consumed, that we consume, that's inside, protected by this stiff, this is stiff, stiff bristle, stiff beard, or husk. This is all called the mites, the chaff. This is also the chaff, because this is basically the surrounding, that's makif, it protects everything that's inside. This is how it grows. Yeah, That's the first step. Then you harvest it. After you harvest it, I mean, here you have, this is just a few individuals, but here you have, uh, here you have a field. So you see it, here's a field, but you always see, whenever you see wheat, this is what you're going to see. Thank you. Thank you for the help. <laughs> okay, you get the point, I hope. And if not, you could check out a wheat farm, and you'll see that these are real pictures. Credit to Google. And uh, Isaac's idea. Very good. Now, with this, what do we do with this? So you have to harvest. What's the next stage after harvest? So you know from Shabbos, Masech is Shabbos, right? There's plowing and there's planting and there's harvesting. And then there's making bundles, Ma'amer. You got to make bundles because you're not going to work with each one separate. So that's sheaves. And the next step is the critical step called dosh, threshing. What is threshing? You got to basically beat, you got to beat the stalks. 
You take a hammer, a flail, or an axe, or your hand if you want, your fist, and you punch. You can have animals doing it. Today they use machines. They trample on the mounds and sheaves of wheat. And what happens? When you beat them, this is what doshes. You thresh. Thresh it, what happens? What happens is this. This is what happens. As you start beating it, the kernels start being extracted, right? Being extracted from the husk, from the beard, from the sasa, lishibulta, from the brittle that was protecting it. This is what doshes. You want to show the oilum? Very good. You're hired. Same pay as yesterday. <laughs> Granted, clear, right? It's not enough because this, you'll still have a lot of, lot of here and brittle and straw mixed. So you have to do zaira, winnowing. What does winnowing do? It separates the chaff from the kernels because the wind, they do it in front of fans today or again with machines. And then you have afterwards, boirir, there's still a lot of pebbles and straw and mix, so you have to separate. Now you have kernels separated from the chaff. Now you take them and you make piles. You don't keep them separate, they're too small. This is called a keri, you make a pile. You smoothen the pile. It's called miruach a keri. You smoothen it, and now you're done. What do you do with the, with the psilus? Sometimes you could feed it to your animal, you can use it for, for, for fuel, you could throw it out, you can use it for other purposes, but it's obviously not the tachlis, unless there are people who plant wheat just for the straw. But the tachlis usually is for the kernels. And now, when you ever you need, you grind the kernels and you have flour, and you could knead the flour with water and bake bread, etc. Why does nature do it this way? If the purpose is the kernels, why did the Rebbeinah Shalom set up the world this way? That wheat grows this way. The Balatanya explained that it's Pashat in order to protect it. Winter season comes and there's heavy rains or heavy snow or heavy slush or heavy ice as we're expecting today. Or summer days come and there's a scorching heat. The kernel would never survive. Not the heat and not the moist. The heat would scorch it and burn it and destroy it, and the moist would cause it to become decadent. It would rot away. It would decay. So who takes the brunt of the pressure of the water and the heat? The husk, the klipa, the mites. It's called in Gemara mites, chaff. The zgan hashiboilus, the tevin. They, they, they're good. They could take in the rays of the sun, the heat, the intensity, the scorching heat, even if it's a very hot day, and the, intensive, the intensity of rain or snow or ice, etc. And the kernels get what they need through the chaff and through the roots, and they could now grow and grow. However, this is a very interesting place. If you get bored of the shear, you could just go upstairs and exercise and dance. <clears throat> so the ceiling never comes down on us, right? Paka igra. What happens when the stalks of grain ripe, ripen? Now somebody's going to say, as he said before, you're going to get rid of this? This is your protector. 
<laughs> this is your shelter. This was the one who made sure you survived. You can't just get rid of him. So the truth is, if you get rid of him too early, you're dead. But if you never get rid of him, you're also dead. <laughs> because, just like if you get rid of him too early, the kernels won't develop. Once they develop, now this becomes a distraction. It becomes a distraction. Why? Because the tachlis is the edible part. So now you have to beat it away, you have to thresh, you have to extract the kernels, and now you fulfill the tachlis. This is also true in halacha. When does grain become a chuyuf in all of the obligations of tithing, trumas, maestras? In other words, when does it become the obligation to be able to separate part of it which will become holy, truma is holy, it's kotcha, it's kedusha, or maiser, etc., only after the kernels are separated completely, what's called in halacha miruach hakeri. You have a pile of kernels and you even smoothen it out, which represents that it's done. You're finished. Only then does it become a chayvim maiser. Now here, here, we're going to see a very fascinating thing. The Gemara says in Meseches Brachas, Daflamet Aleph, the beginning of chapter 5, I think it is. How you start davening. The Mishnah says, The way you start davening is with a sense of humility. So the, the Bryce explains. Don't start davening when there's a fight. Don't daven from arguments. Don't daven mitach din. Don't daven mitach iyun. Elamitach one should start davening after they learn halachas psukas, means verdicts in halachas, not halachas that are complicated and intricate in those questions and debates, because then the person may be distracted the whole davening. Ask the Gemara, my halacha psuka. What's a halacha psuka? Give an example what halacha you should learn before davening. Huh? You remember? That's the first opinion, Abzeda's opinion. Abaya's opinion is that B'nois Yisrael Echmiru Al-Atzmon Shafilu Royas Tippes Dam Kechardel Yoshva Shivanakir Jewish women became stringent for themselves they made a Chumrah that even if they see a little bit of blood they should treat it like the Halachas of Dam Ziva three days and wait after the flow finishes and count seven clean days and then go to the Mikvah and let's face it, this is probably one of the most uh, uh, consequential institutions in Jewish history that was all initiated by the women. I don't know if they consulted their husbands. It says, B'nois Yisrael Echmiru Al-Atzmo. This is the halacha shalom before davening. That's what Abayu says. Comes Rava and says, I'll give you another halacha. <laughs> What's his halacha? Huh? <laughs> no, no, that's not uh, close. The halacha Rabbi said, what if you want not to give miser? So there's a trick. Bring in the grain into your house when it's still in the chaff. Bring it into the house like this. A person could be crafty. Bring in the grain with the chaff into the house so to speak, and then your animal could continue eating from it even before you gave any maestros. Why? Because as long as it wasn't separated yet, it's not mechoyev and maestros. Or trumas. 
So even though the Chachamim said you shouldn't eat from it as a permanent meal, but you could snack from it, and your animal can always eat from it as much as it wants, because animal is always considered snacking. So this is what Rabbi Shia said, this is the Allah before Davani. And then Rav said a third alternative, that if you uh, let her blood from a, 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 an animal sacrifice before it was offered, it's considered me'ilah. You're not allowed to do it. So this is very strange. From thousands and thousands of halachas, the Gemara chooses three halachas. This you should learn before davening. Now, they're examples. doesn't mean you have to learn these. But if, and halachas that are not the interesting halachas. Could have been halachas about Krishna, about Tefillah, about daily halachas. So the Mepharshim wanted to know why these halachas. So there's a discussion in Svarim. One says that Abayi wanted to say even a chumrah, and Rava wanted to say even mayrim, even if it's a trick, if it's a halacha, it's a halacha. And even things that are not bismanazel, like kotcha, that's one explanation. Say for Birchus Reich says it. But here we'll see a whole other level of an explanation, what the Gemara means. And it's based on this whole idea that every halacha could be understood on two levels, the nigla and the pnimius. The nigla of halacha is the concrete manifestation of it. For example, take in the wheat with the chaff into the house. Don't do this in the field. And then take it into the house. Then you're done. Take it into the house like this. That's the halacha. It's a trick, mayrim. A trick doesn't mean here that it's um, wrong. It just means it's a way around. It's, it's outsmarting the system, but legally. Outsmarting the system legally, because according to Torah, if it's still in the chaff, there's no din meiser. So if you bring it into the house with the chaff, you're good. That's the nigla of the halacha. But every halacha also has a spiritual dimension, a metaphysical dimension, a psychological dimension, an emotional dimension. What is it in this case? So when we come to Saita Daf Hay, it's a different sugi, it's about arrogance. Tzadat Chachim has to have a little arrogance, a little haughtiness, and it should decorate him like the chaff to the kernels. So we see suddenly the Gemara itself now uses chaff as a metaphor for arrogance. This is called arrogance? What does it have to do with arrogance? But this, based on what the Balatanya explains, this is what he's explaining, this is the best metaphor. Because what does this teach you? That at a certain point, without this, without the chaff, your kernels don't survive. At another point, with the chaff, you're just surrendering to a shell that's not necessary. Once the kernel is ripe, it's time to harvest it and get rid of the chaff. And now the chaff can be used for other purposes, but you have to extract the kernels. What do we learn from here? We learn from here that there are things that in one stage of your life, they're vital. In another stage of your life, they considered unnecessary surplus. This is klipa. Klipa is a shell, it's a husk. At some point, the husk is vital. If you don't have it, you can't live. You can't survive. If you disregard it, you're left with nothing. That's one side. The other side is, at another point, when you don't need it, it becomes an unnecessary burden that actually takes you away from where you want to get to. And this is true in everybody's life. 
there are certain things in life that at some point they were essential for survival. At another point, they become distractions. So you'll say, but this was so precious to me when I was a child, this is how you survived. It was a husk, it protected you. But do you know how to now give it up? Because the kernels could survive on their own, you don't need this husk. This is a very deep uh, experience that sometimes people have to realize in a very practical way. Sometimes people develop certain attitudes. They had to as youngsters in order to survive. If you wouldn't have that attitude, you would be crushed. Whether it's rough skin or hard skin or or different things. There's even forms of, of selfishness that people develop simply to protect themselves because they can't trust the world. Now they grow up and they remain that way because they, their brain still registers that as survival. What's maturity? Maturity is, you're ripe now. You don't need this for survival. You could let yourself come out. You could be vulnerable. You don't need all the clippers. You don't need all the husks protecting you. You're good now. Woe is the person who can't differentiate and say, no, I will forever hide behind this. I will never come out. I will never be vulnerable because it's going to be too painful. I will never do that. There was a time when the heat and the rain could destroy you, but now you're good. Now it could rain and shine, and you're good. So this is a very important distinction always in life. You say, this is a clipper. For one person, it's survival. It's also between two people. For one person, this clipper is survival. For another person, it's not a shkite. Doesn't let it. Doesn't let him be. And how true is this in Yiddishkeit? How true is this in Yiddishkeit? You could speak to two different people. What for one person is his path to God, is for another person his obstruction to God. Yutoifus? What for one person is his the ladder to go up to heaven, to God, for another person is the ladder going down to the abyss. <laughs> it's it's how could that be? Because Einstein wasn't the one who invented relativity. <laughs> it's all relative, yeah. <laughs> Somebody once came home and his wife says, what's new? He says, Einstein won the Nobel Prize in the 1920s. She says, for what? He says, he taught relativity. So she says, what do you say? He says, Narishkeit, and I always knew that. I always knew that. For example, he said, three strands on your hair... You're called bald. But in the, in the soup, in the yoich, it's a lot. It's all relative. Spending three minutes with somebody you hate is like seven years. And spending seven years with somebody you love is like three minutes. He says, Einstein had to win the Nobel Prize for this. Everything is relative. Okay, this is was his taina. But the point is, you always have to know who you're talking to. For one person, if you don't dress it up with the husks, you're not going to have anything. The Yiddishkeit you present to them must come with husks. But you got to know the MS, at least for yourself. For another person, what are you giving me so many cover-ups for? So it's not what's true, it's not true. It's where you are in life. And in every person you have that. One day I need the clipper, the next day it's a clipper. Is clipper good or clipper bad? Depends. Sometimes clipper is the best thing. 
It's what allows you to survive, and sometimes it just blocks everything. Depends how ripe you are. When you're not ripe, you always need shells. When you're ripe, you need shells. And this is the art of communication, it's the art of education, it's the art of leadership, it's the art of pedagogy. Before the kernel is ripe, if you force it to come out of the husks, what do you do? You expose it to an environment that will not allow it to survive. It must be sheltered. And part of that shelter means that it's defined by cover-ups. And then there's another stage in life where you could remove it and you have to remove it then. So what's the halacha before davening? The Rebbeishia says a person has to be cle- could be clever, crafty. Ma'idim is crafty. The snake was crafty. And take in the grain with the chaff so that your animal should be able to eat. What's the nakuda? Why is this the halacha before davening? So this is an unbelievably powerful idea. And here you see a vivid example in the Torah of the Balatanya, where the nigla and the pnimius, the soul and the body, are not just connected, but they mamish mirror each other. And this is true about every halach in all of Shas, and every halach in all of Poiskim. So just one example. So now when you understand the metaphor, how it is physically, we could see how it's now spiritually. And this is where he comes down on why the Gemara has to choose a parable and a metaphor to explain why a Talmud Chachem needs to have haughtiness. And the best metaphor was, look at a stalk of wheat. So let's see now. This is... Uh, Can't you universalize that? It's not just a Talmud Chachem. Indeed. Talmud Chachem, as we explained, is somebody who's a student of Chachma. I'm saying just a strong person. Ene chaname, ene chaname. Yeah. So this micro level of a person, on the macro level, corresponds to what happened to us back in Egypt, where everything was just repeated and then you were in the whole process and it came out in Egypt. Yeah. So when we come to this every single Shabbos, and we have, we have this whole What's the message we're trying to take from every Shabbos? Why Shabbos, Dafka? Shabbos, when you have this theory, ah, beautiful. The, 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 beautiful. You're asking, these are malachas that you're not allowed to do on Shabbos. But all the malachas that you're not allowed to do on Shabbos, we learn now what that they did in the Mishkan. In other words, the avoid of the Jew is to build a Mishkan, to turn the world into a Mishkan and a Beis HaMikdash. How do you do it? Through the 39 Malachas. And then Shabbos, right? Is the, it says, Arboyim Chaser Acha. So the Torah says it should have said, Shloishim Vetesha. The Mishnah doesn't know how to say 39. You have to say 40 minus 1. What's wrong with 39. The answer is that Shabbos is the 40th malacha. What's the malacha? Achas. The oneness. Right? The oneness. But that's unique for Shabbos. Malachas Shamayim. During the, the week, there's the Avaydas HaBirurim. We always speak about Boire, right? What's Birurim? Birurim is all this. This is Birurim. Birurim means to be able to differentiate between the husk and between the kernel. To be able to separate, whether it's through threshing, through winnowing, through uh, grinding, through sifting, through selecting. As the Gemara basically says that Dosh and Zoyer and Boira are the same Malacha. Why they even counted as three? They all have the same theme. But that's Takeda Avaida during the, week, the weekdays. Let's see. Va'ati is Boirin in a Mashal Menamoshu Savav Lechita. 
Now everything in the marshal is going to come into the nimshal. And we'll see here, we learned in our previous Maimah how a real teacher, in the marshal he puts in everything, right? Do you remember? 40 years, it takes 40 years to unravel. But in the marshal, here God gave us a marshal. What's the marshal? The marshal is study a stalk of grain. Every detail has everything of the nimshal, but you got to see it in the marshal. Just like the chaff protects the kernel from scorching heat and from moldy moist. Did that work? Not really. From moisture, which can cause it to become moldy. I stand corrected. Now they take a nimshal. Every person has a divine spark in them. This is called You remember that capital we said Friday night? There's light that's planted. It's sowed. Why does the Pasuk use Because this is the idea. You plant light in every soul. Every Jew has light. Infinite divine light that's planted, it's sowed in them like a kernel of wheat that you plant in the earth. And it, now it starts growing, it starts developing. When you plant wheat, the most important thing is you want it to develop. You want to create the fertile circumstances that the seeds can grow into healthy, robust stalks. That's the whole dream of Paroi, right? There's seven robust stalks and, and seven lean ones. Shibalim toivois, and then shibalim that are shtufois kadim, they're dakois, they're weak, they, they wither away. The most important thing is to nurture, and that's why farming is a, is a complex task for those of you who live in Munsi and in areas where there's still remnants of farming. It's a complex task, which was the basis of civilization for thousands of years. It still is, it's just we don't know it because we go to the store. <laughs> We go to Amazon, but uh, everybody used to know that planting, the, this stuff is the stuff of the world, this is what you live on. So you want, most important thing is the circumstances to allow it to grow. So, But just like the kernel, if it was exposed to the elements, what would happen? The scorching heat would kill it. What is this in a person? The soul's light is so powerful, and very, but it's vulnerable. And in the world, we are bombarded with what's called chmimus hataiva. Chmimus hataiva means intense addictions, intense cravings, powerful passions, temptations. Whatever that temptation is, it comes with heat, it comes with fire, it's burning. You say this taiva is burning in my heart. That's a muscle of the fire that would burn the kernel. Ribu Chaim, tremendous heat, moisture tanugim, all those superfluous pleasures, chitzainim, external pleasures, ven chmimus hakriros. There's another thing that destroys the kernels the cold weather. The cold weather, the ice, the snow, the sleet, the sleet, the slush, the rain, the coldness can also destroy it. What is that? Sometimes you're overly passionate to the wrong things. And sometimes you're just cold, dead, apathetic, lifeless, numb, like laziness. What is laziness? Laziness is paralysis. 
I'm not alive. Sometimes I'm alive, I'm moved. A real addict focuses on pursuing that addiction or any type of craving, even if it's not, not an addiction. Atzlus is the opposite. I'm just a couch potato. I'm immobile. This is the concept of the kernel uh, decaying, rotting away. That's what Atzlus does. It's a form of immobility, paralysis, stagnation. So there's the challenge of heat, which is misplaced passion, trying to numb pain. And there's the challenge of apathy, which is also escaping pain, which is why I become apathetic, lazy, cynical, lifeless, careless. It's a form of carelessness. What do you need to protect yourself? You need a chaff. You need a chaff so that your kernel, the can grow without obstructions, without the scorching heat and the, the moist and the cold to destroy it. What is this moitz? What is the chaff that protects you from laziness, from apathy, from indifference, from coldness, from stagnation, or from or from falling into temptation, addiction, addictions, whatever form they are. It could be alcohol, it could be food, it could be gambling, it could be websites. Whatever form it is where a person, bec- or internal stuff, but the person becomes now overwhelmed with things that are completely not for them. They're not nurturing your growth, they're not nurturing your kernels. You must have the chaff. What's the chaff? V'hainu b'chines hagasus. It's the sense of pride and exaltedness that a person must have in the beginning of his Avoidah. I don't want to be gypped. I don't want to be detached. I don't want to be separate. I don't want my leaf should get cut off the tree and end up in a sewer system. What's the motivation for... Imagine a leaf looks at itself. It's holding onto a tree. And the leaf, somebody says, come, come, come here, come here, and we'll decorate the sewer system, we'll put the leaf on you. The leaf will say, I'm valueless, I'm insignificant, I don't do anything for the tree, you go off. The tree says, the leaf says, I don't want to be separated. I don't want to be separated. I don't want to be detached. Why? I don't want to lose it. I, don't want, I want to be connected to truth. I want to be connected to my core. I want to be connected to Hashem. Who can I recover? I don't want to rot. I don't want to get burnt up and once again lost in the addiction and the intensity of cravings. This this sense of haughtiness, this sense of ambition, of ego, it absorbs, it takes in, it carries, it contains just like the chaff. Because it's thick and because it's stiff, can contain the brunt of the rain and of the and of the snow and of the heat. So this type of sense of I is what soivel it can absorb and, and 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 what do you mean absorb and reject? What this does is, if the water would come into the kernel, it would get to its core. But uh, when it comes to the chaff, yeah, it it slips off it. Vaitigang next, it knows how to deflect it. So he says, Soivelis, it takes and it deflects. In the animals, so that your spark can grow 
in love and awe, at shenigdala b'shleimus until it's ripe. Kamayshikasuv. This is why it says in Yecheskel by Yitzias Mitzrayim, Revava Ketzema Chasada. We say it in the Haggadah. You were like the grass in the field, Vatirbi, Vatigdali. You grew. Now once it's ripe, Nizrak Now you can get rid of the chaff. And now there could be Meiser. What's Meiser? Meiser is the concept of Kedusha. We say by Meiser Behema, the tenth shall be holy. The word Meiser represents, now it's a Kaili for real Kedusha. What's the Nimshul? The Nimshul who? That after the maturity of the kernel, the person can now reach a whole different level of Avodah Hashem. What's the different level of Avodah Hashem? Where it's not anymore that the eye wants to connect. Why does the eye want to connect? Because there's a sense of separateness and I feel my value and I want to be close to you. It's a much deeper relationship where one can experience Enoid Mulvadoid, there's absolute oneness and the whole eye becomes a conduit for the truth of God without any separateness. So this is why, before davening, this is the halacha that's learned. Why? The Gemara says in Brachas that uh, you're not allowed to eat yourself until you feed your animal, right? And then So if my animal is hungry in the morning, I'm not allowed to eat breakfast. I first have to feed my animal, and then I'm allowed to eat myself. It's a very interesting halacha. Somebody has an animal, they're not allowed to eat themselves in the morning before they feed their animal. We say it in Kishma. I'll give grass to your animal and then you're going to eat. What is this spiritually? Every person has two parts. There's the animal in you and there's the person in you. There's the Nefesh Bahamas and the Nefesh Elikis. The Bahama in you is the part that re- operates on a level of animal consciousness. And like an animal, it has the consciousness of an animal, the vision of an animal, the fears of an animal, the insecurities of an animal. It's the animal in me. Then there's the divine part in me, which is a chelikalikamima. Comes the Torah and says, you can't feed your godly soul. You can't feed the human in you, nasa adam b'tzalmenu, until you don't feed the animal in you. Why? Because if you don't feed the animal in you, ultimately what's going to happen is... There's going to be two parts of you that are going to be detached. And it's going to come back to bite you. You cannot ignore the animal in you. You have to talk to it. You have to educate it. You have to enlighten it. Or as we once said, the Kotsky Rebbe said, when you try to break a taiva, what happens? From one becomes two. You break a taiva and you make from one, two, and then you break it again. So now you have four. And then you break it again and you have etc., etc. And you know how far that goes. Like the frog in Mitzrayim. You hit the taiva, you get angry. And what happens? The frogs, more frogs, more frogs, more frogs. And then a year from now, you're completely fahakt. Why? Before davening? Huh? You're not allowed to eat before davening. No. It says, in the, the Gemara says in Brachas, before you eat yourself, you have to feed your animal. So I'm explaining what this means spiritually. You understand? This is like the telephone game, yeah? What does it mean spiritually? It means spiritually that I have to be able to nurture, to elevate, to be able to elevate, to speak to my animal soul. I understood that. (laughs) (laughs) To elevate and speak to my animal soul should be able to be aligned. In other words, all of me has to be part of the picture. You can't amputate. You don't amputate arms and legs and something because they don't fit in. 
You have to work with who you are. That's what Avodah Hashem means. It never means you amputate part of you. We do try to get, get, get rid of the clip at some phase and say we want to go on without the clip. We have been talking about getting rid of the clip. When you're ready. When, when, when you're ready, yeah. When you're ready. In a chanat. The Balakhan is suggesting that the mindfulness that the Gemara says that. So what's the answer to become mindful? Okay, very good. So the Gemara says, davening, davening is the alignment of the nefesh alakis with Hashem. It's the oneness between the divine soul and God. That's what real davening is. That the person allows their neshama to melt away in Ein Saif. So Rav says, what's the halacha before davening? <laughs> what do you learn before davening? That you bring in the grain with the chaff so that your animal should be able to eat without miser. Mayrim Adam al Behemtoy. Mayrim Adam Umachnis Tvua Bemoitshala Kadesha Yachila Behemtoy Upturim and Amais. That's before Davana. That you bring in the grain with the chaff, so that who will be able to eat from it? The Behemoth will be able to eat from it. Upturim and Amais, even though there's no Maisa. Does that relate to a stage in Davening? Kabanas? Yeah, excellent. The truth is that the Balatanya believes that all the way till Birchus Krishma is for the Nefesh of Bahamas. Birchus Krishma, you move to the Nefesh. Till Birchus Krishma, you don't know. That's why Pesachism is about nature. It's a science talk. Malach of Tzvav, Shemesh, Yereach, Shemeashamayim, Ruach, Sora, Shela, Kitor, right? Harim, Gvoyas. It's basically a science conversation. It's pre, Chalarazim, Chaya, Behemer, Remes, Siprikanov. It's back to our spider webs and beehives. It's basically speaking to the animal soul and sharing with it the truth of the world. Because that's the world it knows. The animals are very connected to nature. They know nature very well. The animal in us also. Birchus Krishna, you go to the next stage. There's the Malachim, Avas, Olam, Avtan, and then there's Shema Yisrael. So the Balatanya says that you have to go to Pesukah de Zimra before Birchus Krishna, just like you feed the animal before you feed the person. It's a half of a fella. What's the halacha before davening? That's the oymik of what Rav has said. You got to bring in the you could myrim adam. What's myrim? Myrim. There's a there's an expression in in, in Tanakh. But tachbulo is When you got to fight, you got to know the tricks. You got to know who you're dealing with. Myrim adam means you got to be crafty. You have to understand an animal. If you're not going to have the chaff, if you're not going to have the chaff, your animal won't eat. We're talking spiritually. You have to fight the animal on its terms. On its terms. Oh, she was also an Aram. Yeah, Aram. He got them on their terms. Yeah, yeah. So there's Harama in a positive way. There's Harama in, in a manipulative way. What does Yitzchak tell Yaakov? Because you have to be Masak in the Mirma of the Nachash. Because Esav is the Nachash. Mirma doesn't mean you're a sly, shrewd lowlife. You could be. It could mean that. <laughs> Mirma means you understand the situation and you relate to it on its terms. Mayrim Adam, when you're dealing with an Nefesh of Bahamas, you can't get rid of the chaff. It's very dangerous if you get rid of the chaff. Because if you get rid of the chaff, the animal soul is like, I'm out of here. And then what happens is you have to amputate a part of you from serving God. So when you bring it in with the chaff before davening means... There's that sense of self. The ultimate of avoid, uh, as the Balatanya explained, is Einoid Mulvada. Einoid Mulvada means that there's no I. 
Why is there no why? Because there's all oneness. And it's not even an option. It's like the organs of the body. The hand responds to the head because it's one Metzius. You're completely one. The preparation for that is the mites before davening. What's the mites? The mites is that the behemoth should be able to eat. Upturim and Amaiser, even though there's no Maiser yet. Because Maiser is the ultimate Kedusha, and the ultimate Kedusha is on the Pnimius, not on the Chitzainis, on the Pnimius, on the kernel itself, not on the externals. So that's the Shminis Shabashminis. When the Gemara wants to say, why a Talmud Chachim needs Shminis Shabashminis, what does it say? He crowns it like the beard of the stalk around the stalk. It's exactly the same concept. It's what allows the kernels to grow, allows to grow. It needs a crown. It's a crown. It's a decoration. It's purposeful. It's meaningful. That's what it is. Without it, it's not going to grow. It grows and it protects it. That's the shminis shabashminis that we speak about, the gases that it needs. Until it's ripe. Huh? Is that what Rahman says right afterwards? Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. 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 That's why the Gemara continues. So it's a machlaikus or not a machlaikus? It's not really a machlaikus. It's two steps. In the beginning, you need the mites, you need the chaff. And then in stage B is it just becomes a klipa, becomes a distraction. That's where the Gemara continues. You understood? It's Lacha, Bruchim Abayim. My son, the Yemen from Florida. Shalom Aleichem. Yafa Kayach Aben, Mikayach Av. I saw the, uh, I watched the Fabringen, beautiful Vina, the, uh, <laughs> The grand presentation. I still hear feedback today from him. Thank you for coming. So many terms that if you didn't explain them to me, yeah, Doctor Michelle knows that. Yeah, we say. Well, that's three years. Yeah, no. So can the rugs? I think it's possible. Yeah. Are there are there certain svarim that are like you? We have like we talk about aschalas gemara. So is there aschalas chasidus, aschalas balatanya that you would uh, that would open up the door, open up the window into some of these terms? There's nothing perfect. There's nothing perfect. You know the art school revolution didn't happen yet to this part of Torah, Bezer Hashem, but. Uh, there is a set called Chassidus Mavueras. It's around 20 Svarim. Uh, on Tanya, there's like five or six. And then on Torah, look at the Torah, there's probably another 10. It's probably between 10 and 20 Svarim. I think 50, 20 Svarim. So over there in the back, they'll often have that. Terms and encyclopedic Chassidus Mavueras. My label, Altan, is the editor. So he did a pretty... Uh, also very good. It's very, very, I have in the house. I don't think they go back to Vienna anymore. Yeah. Also. Yeah. So I'm saying that's what it's like more. You got to not. A lot of Hatzlocha and everything. Enjoy your stay. Sorry, our weather is not the best, but we that's... Uh, better weather. <laughs> so they say, yeah. So they say.
<laughs> we need the husks. <laughs> I wanted to share something that I was thinking about while you were talking about this. About the um, wheat. The thing is that the, uh, we also, just like the seed itself, is the, but plants another, was plants another, right? Brooklyn's and Lent, the same thing. A person has this life life itself is a seed that gives to the other people also. Beautiful. It feeds others. It feeds others. Beautiful. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.